0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Kumar Danatran uh, with Agile Meridian. Actually, it may not be afternoon where, wherever you're watching. So, good morning, could be evening, wherever you are. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Agile Shorts. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the hero team member. You know that that person who um, uh, does everything, who is sort of the Swiss Army knife of the team, and and um, you know is is indispensable to the working of the team. Uh, and in some cases, in many cases, can cause a lot of dysfunction in the team, right? Because, again, they do everything. They're so relied upon. They're sort of the hero. They come in and swoop in and save the day, uh, right? So how do, you, um, how do you deal with that hero team member? Uh, Chris, do you have any, uh, any, any stories to share or, uh, or any advice to give our audience? Sure,
1: so we have um, I think we've all experienced a hero somewhere along the, along the way, right? I mean, we've all experienced the person who comes along and saves the day miraculously. And it, it, when we were prepping for this session, Kumar, um, I was thinking about an experience I had where we, I was working for a not-for-profit and we, were, uh, we had a bunch of interfaces that came in And we developed controllers, little modules to sit there and take the data and then transform it because everybody brought their data in differently. So it transformed it into our standard format. And the guy that I had that wrote that module and then was responsible for it, it seemed like every two or three weeks he would come in and go, yay, I fixed the problem. I have saved this particular customer. And it happened once and I, Hey, thanks for that. I really appreciate you going out on the, on a limb there and taking care of that, and taking the initiative, right? And then, as he kept coming back to me, it's like, wait a minute, didn't you write the code? Shouldn't you be fixing the code? And what? As I pressed him on it, what what we started to to uncover was, he really wanted to be acknowledged for something, and he really got. Uh, excited about the high fives that come along from being the guy that helps the client. Mm -hmm. But yet he never went and solved the problem. I mean, he owned the problem and and never solved it. He never fixed it. So every time it happened, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy for him, right? I want to be the hero. Hence it, it, this thing breaks all the time and I get to fix it. And it was, it was pretty interesting that when you start, when I started dealing with it and pointing it out all of a sudden, uh, it was pretty interesting to watch the leadership of the organization suddenly change, and 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 this individual they thought was critical suddenly other cracks started to show in what he was doing. It was a pretty interesting experience.
0: So what you're saying is, when when you have when you have this sort of hero syndrome, it's useful to sort of dig underneath the surface. You know what what's the problem that's um, that's enabling the behavior? Uh, And in in the case of, uh, in the story that you just shared, the the person didn't really engineer the solution all that well, and so had to (laughs) constantly fix it, and of course, got got a lot of accolades for doing so. And not only did he get those accolades, but he also wasn't sort of sharing that knowledge with anyone else on the team where they could fix it, right? Right. Um, uh, but, But most importantly, they weren't fixing the underlying issue, which was, that component was had had a flaw in it It was poorly designed, whatever. uh, And they weren't fixing that root cause. What are some other other sort of root causes you think that lead to that the the hero complex?
1: Well, skills, obviously, is one, right? Maybe there's only one person that has the skill. Um, It could be if we're if you're talking about project kind of work, um, you it could be that you know, it could be bad, poor project planning, could be unrealistic es- estimations, right? Oh, we're, we're behind, we're, we don't have enough hours for this, I need you to work overtime, you know. Somebody comes in and works overtime. Um, it could be procrastination on their part. I mean, I've had folks who have, you know, in, with, when developing software, you know, in the good old days, we, they'd have two or three months to build this big, massive program and they kind of take it easy for the first two and a half months and then they work overtime and weekends and all this to get it done and it's you know it, they could have instead of doing it all at the end they could have spread it out right and the organization's like oh these guys are great they go over look how dedicated they are they work overtime and
0: you know, i think uh, in, yeah uh, i was just gonna their s- own s- destiny right i mean yeah I think you hit upon the, you hit upon one of the, those root causes, right? And that is um, the reward model uh, in the company, right? So if you reward certain behaviors, then of course people are going to want to uh, get some of those accolades and get the recognition. And so if you know working over the weekend or working at night is rewarded, oh, you're a hard worker. You're gonna you're gonna be expected to do more of that. Right. And and rather than fix the underlying issue, which is maybe you know poorly designed code or poor collaboration on the team or a lack of team norms or um, the boundaries and expectations of what what uh, what you need to be as a team member, um, you know all of these things are so important, right? Setting boundaries and expectations uh, for every team member on the team. You know what what's expected of each person on the team, how do you work together? How do you collaborate together? Uh, and having team members hold each other accountable. Right. So, you know, I, I would think that on, on a high performing team, you don't have heroes, right? At least right. in my experience I've seen that, you know, in a high performing team everyone is collaborating, everyone has each other's back. On a team with with a hero, that's not the case. <laughs> it's pretty dysfunctional. So if you're leading um, a team with a hero, what would you, how would you um, uh, change that behavior? What what are some things that you've done?
1: Um, Tried to, you know, some things I've done. Pairing is one example, right? Mm. So I paired somebody up with that individual. Um, You know, I've justified it by if you get you know the old if you get hit by a bus speech right if you get hit by a bus and you're the only one who has the knowledge mr hero or miss hero right then we're we're stuck and so pairing somebody up is one thing i've done um trying to be more open trying to get more transparency into what people do Um, you know and of course it's called an Agile short, but Agile really helps that, right? If you're trying to get transparency into what people are doing every day, how they're doing it, um, not micromanaging, of course, but just trying to get it out and open. Um, retrospectives really work well. Um, you know, the, the other thing that I when I say retrospectives, I don't mean at a team level, but at a situation level. Mm-hmm. Right. So we got in this situation. So let's go through and do an analysis, a root cause analysis to understand what went wrong and mm-hmm. why, you know, how do we avoid this happening again? And, you know, using something like the a, a five whys or a fishbone diagram, a ta- facilitating the team through it. And what you start to, you start to uncover what those things are, right? But it's always mm-hmm. about trying to get to understand, in my experience, trying to understand what that cause is, root causes, and then letting the team, the others on the team, figure out how to fix
0: it. Yeah, I, 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 exactly. I, I totally agree. And I think for the, for the hero, it's, you know, I, I say encouraging them to lead. And I, I don't mean that by continuing the behavior that they have, that's gotten them as far as they have. But but by truly leading, right, to showing others, to your point, the, the pairing, by showing others what they know and, and how to fix these types of issues and, and encouraging them to build their leadership skills so that they can support their teammates, right, rather than uh, look for those accolades. Um, it's also important, I think, in my mind to acknowledge the hero, right, because they do bring some deep skill and expertise that the team either hasn't had a chance to develop or that they just truly lack. And so it's right. important to acknowledge them, the hero, but at the same time, you know, doing all the other things that we talked about, right? Making sure that boundaries and expectations are, are clear for every member of the team, how they will collaborate, how they will work, you know, the pairing that the actual ceremonies help with that. Um, you know, either creating or revisiting team norms. You know, if you have a situation where the team is dysfunctional, and one of the best things that you can do from an Agile perspective is to revisit your team norms, your team charter. And if you don't have one, by all means, create one. <laughs> so everyone's on the same page and, and alignment as to how to how to behave, how to operate. So then, Chris, I think the, the uh, elephant in the room question is, Uh, You know, we we have a couple of viewers and certainly please, um, uh, you know, send us your questions. But uh, the burning question is, if I'm a member of the team, I'm not a leader on the team, I can't influence the behavior of uh, a team member quite so easily as if I'm a leader of the team. But if I'm a member, I'm, I'm sort of the recipient of this behavior where, you know, you know, there's Susie over there getting all the credit again, doing all the work and you know, I, I'm going to check out. Right. So what would you say to me? To do? How, how can you help? How can I survive this hero complex and change it through influence? Because clearly, I don't have I don't have I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader of the team. What would you say to, to me?
1: Um, I would encourage the, you know, I'm a, a believer in powerful questions. So I would encourage somebody who's a member of a team to ask questions about you know to ask questions about why we're there what's going on um you know to ask questions about you know how what can we do about training um you'd be you know and and getting people skilled up if that's the issue um you know those are the kind of things that and and i know i sound like i'm a one-trick pony here but you know, just trying to, I, I can't emphasize enough to just, that you, you got to get to that root cause. And so, we, you know, as a team member asking questions, right, about how, you know, what's the norm? What do we expect? What do we, um, what kind of response do we expect out of us, right? Steve, let's say Steve's the hero. Steve went and did this great thing. What can I do to help Steve, right? you You take that empathetic, kind of approach about i'm trying to help you right help steve so he doesn't have to be the hero so we don't get in that situation and i think that breaks down i think you can break down barriers a lot of barriers that way right and disarm people to get them to talk about it but you need to need to figure out a way to facilitate that conversation and facilitate the conversation within the team Uh, that's what do you think
0: yeah i i think that's that's all it's all it's a, that's, those are sort of the basics, I think the minimum, however, I think that I, I, you know, in in some places, the culture is so toxic and, and dysfunctional that, you know, it'd be hard for that team member to muster up the courage to say, to ask any questions at all. Right. And I think that, you know, in those situations, it's up to you know, I hate to say this, but it's really up to the leaders in, you know, of the team, of the group, whatever you want to call it, to be more empathetic and aware of the dynamics, right? And, and, and to do something about it, right? So, if, right. so if, if one person is the loudest voice in the room consistently, if it's always Steve or always Susie who's talking in, in meetings, and in your agile team, right, then you don't really have an agile team you have a very inflexible team, a very rigid team that's sort of run by this hero. And um, they're not gonna be adaptable. They're not gonna be able to uh, change with changing requirements with things that come up because the rest of the teammate is disengaged. Their morale is low and likely you suffer from high turnover. So a clear sign that you have a hero is when one or two people dominate conversations in in meetings. And so if, if I'm an observer, and we all, all are as coaches, and I see that, my first instinct is to ask the other people on the team, hey, how are you doing? What's it like working here? What would you like to do differently? And you don't have to be an outsider or a coach to ask those questions. As a leader, you should be asking those questions anyway of your team. And all I would say is that if you are on a team like this, where it's kind of dysfunctional, then you'd be surprised, you know, just by talking to the hero and, and asking those questions, you can you have you do have a lot of influence. You can change the culture just by being empathetic and asking powerful questions. It's a tall ask, but it can be done. <laughs> so I Correct. agree with you there.
1: Yep. <laughs> And if
0: that doesn't work, then what other option do you have,
1: if you're really in a toxic culture?
0: I mean, you can certainly go up the chain, right? If, you, if, if talking to the hero doesn't change the behavior, then you can talk to your manager. And if that doesn't work, then, unfortunately, you're left with, uh, with few options, right? So you can either be an order taker, and just do the work that you're given, and be quiet. Uh, uh, and if that's not fulfill, fulfilling enough, for most people it isn't, uh, you, you know, I would leave, <laughs> honestly. I, I wouldn't stay in a situation like that. Um, and in this day and age, you know, where companies are fighting for good talent, it's not, it's not um, hard to understand why people are leaving a, a, at the rates that they're leaving, right? Because, uh, you know, the engagement's poor, the morale's low. There's so many reasons to leave and look for greener pastures elsewhere. So uh, for, for all of uh, you who are listening now and who hopefully will be listening in the future to this broadcast, you know, if you're leading a team, if you're influencing a team, watch out for those signs of disengagement. One or two people talking, right? And everyone else quiet. Um, that is a clear sign that you have a hero or someone that's, gonna be a hero pretty soon. (laughs) Do you? um,
1: I want to go back to something you said. And that is that earlier that you said you made a comment about high performing teams, right? And you don't have a hero. Why do you think? Why do you think high performing teams don't have a hero? I'd like to talk about that a minute or two.
0: Yeah, I I think with high performing teams, um, the team, the collective intelligence is much greater than the intelligence of one member of the team. Right. In in dysfunctional teams, you could, you could have a bunch of geniuses on the team, but if they're dysfunctional, the collective IQ of that team is probably 80 because they don't work well together. Right. They, they don't talk to each other. They're not lying. They, uh, they don't back each other up. They're looking for attention. They're looking to be that hero on a high performing team. You can have a bunch of average people you know 110 iq but they perform like they have an iq of 130. it's like it's a sort of they they multiply each other's abilities because they're helping each other out right and and so with high performing teams you see more equal conversations more collaboration more conflict you see more conflict with high performing teams and i mean good conflict where they're engaging in ideas they're innovating they're they're thinking of alternative scenarios so you might even see some heated debates about uh, about uh, what the best way is to do something and you know then then the leader's job is really to moderate those conversations so that they don't get too heated right yeah. but that's a good problem to have
1: right it is a good problem to have yeah
0: yeah, so that's that's kind of where I see the di- difference between high-performing teams and and dysfunctional uh, groups of people. And I, I wouldn't want to call a team a, a group of people that's dysfunctional a team because they really aren't. They're not a team. They've been artificially put together in in this grouping, and um and and they work together. You know, they have may, have attend the same ever, ceremonies.
1: I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Have you ever extracted a hero from a team to see what it would do? just I have, that, I, think that, I, I think that would be an interesting experiment.
0: Yeah, I have. Um, I, back in when I was when I was uh, leading teams, you know, wasn't when I was working in a company, and I was a leader myself, I had the uh, unpleasant task of having to do just that, right. So remove the person that was uh, that was uh, had the hero complex. And You know, what happened with the rest of the team was really interesting because they went through a period where they sort of their performance dipped, obviously. Right. The hero has gone. Now they have to figure out all the things that the hero did and all the things that he knew and had to do it on their own, basically. But what ended up happening was pretty amazing because that team, they ended up becoming more higher performing than they were before. They actually became a team. Right. They, they started performing much better than you know within a, a it took a few months because they had to learn a lot um, and, and the, the the person that was removed was you know absolutely knew so much he knew where every skeleton was buried right and so they had to they had to learn basically but in a few months they were performing just as well as they were before and and the thing is that a few months more uh, time that passed they were way better than they were. I mean, they were coming up with really innovative ideas. Everyone on the team had brought their own unique mix of skills and experience to the table. And they were much, much, much more collaborative than, than they'd ever been before. And this is not a team we'd all wanna you know, be a part of.
1: Yeah, I've done that before. Um, I've pulled heroes out and it's always interesting because exactly what you describe happens. Um, yeah, you know, The team starts out and it kind of dips a little bit. And then all of a sudden, yeah they just start spurting and they they end up doing a better job and they're happier because yeah. the hero's gone. And I, I've tried that I've tried to push that a couple times and I get the pushback from leaders about, you know, well we're too busy. We've got this big release coming up and this da 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 It's too important. We got we can't disrupt anything. It's like, you know, sometimes you can disrupt something for a short period of time and end up miles ahead, you know, if you just have the courage to go do that.
0: Yeah, that's probably a topic for another Agile short, um, and and that is the sort of the um, uh, forming teams using the open open space uh, agility method, right? So letting teams form themselves and reform themselves when conditions are, are needed. Um, uh, so maybe we'll re, we'll visit that as a topic at some point. Um, any any closing thoughts, Chris? Yeah, we need to get some managers into that meeting so that into that
1: agile short so we can get some interesting comments because that would yeah be, that certainly would upset their world um, <laughs> yeah you know i i think that i've enjoyed the conversation i really i really think this is an important topic that a lot of you know a lot of people don't have an opportunity to discuss but yet almost all of us have experienced it if not once multiple times yeah. in our careers so
0: no i i agree and this this is you know directly inspired by our experiences with our clients—you know—we see it, we see it, we we feel it, and we try to help. Uh, and hopefully, this video, you know, will be watched by people. I'm sure you'll—it'll resonate and give you some ideas and on how to deal with it. Especially if you're part of a team and you have just influence and no power to change it. Just know—just know that influence is a powerful thing. Right. Sometimes more powerful than power and position and title. And so use it, use it wisely. Ask powerful questions. And uh, uh, we hope to uh, see you in our next Agile short. There is a comment. Yep. Uh, oh, just, just saying that uh, I just dropped in to see how it was going. Have to drop, catch up later. All right, well, no problem. Thanks for watching. And we will see you in a couple of weeks uh, for our next Agile short. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye.